Welcome to One Word with me, Thomas Leamy, a podcast where I'm joined by experts to discuss one word, topic or concept from an entirely fresh perspective. As an organizational wellness consultant and psychology coach, I help demystify the psychology behind high performance, peace of mind and well-being. Thank you for joining me. Now let's explore with today's featured guest. Matt Roberts is a trained artist and ex-international high jumper. Recognizing the need to exploit every potential margin of gain, he searched for the perfect mindset over his 15-year career. His career started slowly and at 19, his personal best was 1.95 meters. His career best was 2.26 meters, making the top 20 UK of all time list and just 3 centimeters shy of what won the Olympic silver medal two years later. Matt ruptured a disc in his neck in the year that followed his personal best, leading to surgery and its replacement. An injury that would end many careers, Matt started from scratch, eventually clearing 2.25 meters before retirement. His persistence and resilience were realized through the discovery of the three principles. It was during a coaching conversation that an insight changed his life. Matt now shares this understanding with athletes and business people to guide them to their own source of flow and peak performance. You've heard his bio and my guest today is the wonderful Matt Roberts. Matt, you're very welcome to the One Word Podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And our one word topic or concept today is a very interesting one and something that our guest knows a thing or two about. The word is flow. Matt, what do you mean by flow or rather what does flow mean to you do you want the long answer or the short answer (laughs) the medium answer (laughs) the medium answer um i guess i'm for me as my you know background as an athlete my my reference here is is flow state the kind of almost mythical peak of um athletic performance and you know that optimum mindset which i guess gets gets lauded um within sport so much and it's something that dominated i guess it, you know, it kind of dominated my career you know this this kind of search for that extraordinary that extraordinary experience and yeah if i think of all of my all of the times competing my best, it was this similar effortless experience, this, this flow, this almost a lack of awareness of self time. And, you know, in terms of results, it was far beyond anything that I probably perceived to be possible. And I guess what I've come to see is really true is that what I thought was extraordinary is in fact very ordinary. And it's only extraordinary in the fact that it doesn't occur very often. Yeah, that's so well put. 
You know, there's a lot of books out there about flow. I'm sure you've read a lot of them as well by authors like Stephen Kotler, his most recent book, The Art of the Impossible. It talks about how there are 22 plus flow triggers that if you do enough of them, you push yourself into flow. What would be your thoughts about that if you say that it's uh, ordinary and easy to be in? Oh, no, 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 hang on. I'm going to pull you up there. I didn't say it's easy to be in. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm as, as if it's a trigger. I mean, but I guess that statement is very true. Um, what I would say, I would come up with some kind of made up mathematical equation, which is something that arises a lot in kind of my conversations with clients, which are so often athletes and, you know, and as a kind of reference point, we talk about their, their best performance and what that experience was like. And typically, if we look at that kind of experience, is what you think about, well, nothing. It's just complete and utter presence. So if we are, if that is our goal, that's what, where we want to be, that's what we want to attain, then that's the other side of the equal sign of our mathematical equation. That then if we put anything the other side, you know, we cannot hope to think that two plus two or 22 things added together is going to equal zero. And, uh, you know, I heard one of your guests, you know, talking, Johannes, talking about performance, you know, this, this is subtractive psychology. And where, you know, if we, so if it's on the premise that it is something to be attained, then we're always, we're always looking out there. We're always moving further away from it, which, which is why we don't see it that often. It's why we don't experience it that often because that key sort of fundamental misunderstanding. And to, I guess to kind of hopefully sort of labor the point slightly, you know, when we were kind of in, you know, chats, you're like, what, what word would you like to talk about? And, you know, sorry, performance is gone. It's like, oh, damn. Um, but, you know, the, the instinctual thing was flow. And then I was thinking about it. What, well, what does it mean to me? And then I realized, oh, I, I see this so often. I, because I've got a four-year-old son, a four-year-old and a one-year-old, but in the four-year-old most, and just how easily and readily he gets lost in what he's doing. He's not thinking about what he's going to do next, what's happening tomorrow, whether he's doing what he's doing well, is it good enough? And I'm like, oh, he, he's just constantly, he will just drop into it. Complete and utter flow, complete and utter presence, absorption in what he's doing. Yeah. That's wonderful, Matt. And I think we see it so often with kids, don't we? How mm -hmm. we think we have a lot to teach them, but <laughs> they're walking around living in the present moment while we're holding grudges from years and trying to figure out the future in five years' time. But Matt, you are an ex-international high jumper, an athlete performing at a very high level. So as you look back on your career can you see moments where 
you were in this optimized mindset you talk about flow and how it helped versus times where you were up in your own head as an athlete um yeah i mean sure i mean you're talking about probably less less than one percent versus the rest which was tension anxiety suffering and probably not enjoying my sport anywhere near as much as i would have liked because it became so conditional and i'll talk about i won't talk about the suffering i'll talk about the the performing and so when the planets did align or i'd engineered kind of my circumstances to the point where they were favorable and i let go at my best i improve my personal best by i think it was four or five centimeters in one competition you know and beats my two training partners, one who's an Olympic finalist and the other one who went on to win Olympic silver two years later. And, and in fact, I nearly jumped to the next height, which was 229. And I only had one attempt at the bar because I was, I was just laughing. I, I was laughing at how easy it was. I literally couldn't believe that it required no effort from me. Something is coming to mind, Matt. You know, Dr. George Pransky, who I know you know, talks about or talked about in one of his programs how there was a coach in america in basketball i think it was who used to find his players if they behaved like you did when you jumped your best if they were laughing or happy because he deemed that they were not focusing they were not doing their best what would you say to that well, I, I guess that is that is just built on a complete misunderstanding that it it has to be hard. It has to be, you know, if you're laughing, then you're not seeing how serious the situation is. You're you're clearly not seeing the pressure. So I would um, I'd smile. Fantastic, Matt. You work with a lot of clients now in your coaching practice, and if one of them came to you and said. Matt, I see this, this deep presence that you talk about. I know you're a performance coach. Help me get into a state that you talk about, a state of flow. What would you say to your client? Uh, I mean, I think first and foremost, I'd always, I'd always start to, I want, I want to understand the person. I want to understand their career. I want to understand what their experience of performing at their best has been like. Because no matter what they attribute it to, I've spoken to, definitely spoken to enough athletes now to see that they're all talking about exactly the same thing. They're all pointing to the same experience, the experience I had the day when I couldn't stop laughing. Because there is, everyone has these moments which stands out. And then there's the hundreds of other where they are unintentionally getting in their own way. Once I have that as the kind of guiding light so look this is possible because it's proof that they've, they've lived it they've they have experienced that then it's about then for me understanding understanding their misunderstanding right why what are they not seeing what is what are they adding to the mix which is getting in the way and helping them and helping to you know almost collapse the paradigm 
I think everyone has a, everyone has a world view. And well, we all do, and we probably have multiple ones depending on you know what we're doing in life, you know, and that belief as to how the world works, you know, our thinking always works logically towards that, whether that worldview is logical or illogical. And we and we have no we have no choice really in that. And it can be a really bonkers worldview. I mean, there's some really bonkers worldviews going on at the moment in the world, right? And and as soon as, but what I found, as soon as people see the lack of truth in that overarching belief, it all collapses. It's like a house of cards. And then even perhaps even more interestingly is that I get the other clients which maybe don't explicitly see something, but everything starts changing anyway. Yeah. I talked about that with Johannes, how some clients have what he called Hollywood insights, like stop yeah. the stop the bus moments, and others rather notice their behavior patterns are changing without them being very conscious of them and kind of wondering what causes that. But Matt, you said something there that I want to down chunk into. You said they see what's getting in the way. In your experience or with your understanding, what gets in the way? of us performing at our best mentally that's a long list though <laughs> it's it's incredibly long list i mean go and go and pick up a dictionary and there'll be the list will be longer than the amount of words i imagine it's it's almost infinite because of our ability as human beings to create create stories and reasons and conditions i, I don't think yeah, we, we, we certainly don't have enough time. And I don't think, you know, throughout my lifetime, I will, you know, get to a point where I won't hear something new. Because, so it is, it is just what gets in the way is, is our ability to create stories which we believe, which ultimately is just intellectual noise. And we buy into it. So until we see the role of the mind and see how it is creating our experience from moment to moment. It's, uh, it's difficult to be free. It's difficult to, to not tune into that and drop out and drop back into what is, what is so effortless for my son. And it's, it's really interesting. And it's, and people so often are, yes, yeah, well, what do I have to do? And it, and it's so funny because you don't have to do anything. Because I think about, and I shared this with someone else recently. It's like I'm a recovering future holic, so I, I think it's a, I think it's a um, serious condition that I, I need to start a support group for. But um, it, it's so about a year ago, a real change occurred for me because for the past twenty years, it seemed to me that as an ambitious person. I needed to chase goals. I needed to have the goal there. So it was always, it was, what's the expression about jam today for, I don't know. I was, I was always like, right, well, as an athlete, when I jumped two meters and then, but when I did that, I didn't even notice. I was happy for a short while, but then it became 210 and then it became 220. And then when I qualify for this, when I win that medal, and then even after I retired, it was like, well, when I get a, salary job or when I buy a house this mirage just effortlessly 
changing in front of my eyes and I almost didn't realize until about, yeah, until about a year ago where I, for the first time I saw the feeling that came with that ambitious thinking, that goal. And it, it, it just really, really genuinely struck me how unpleasant that was. This just, it almost just like a low level anxiety, like I've got to get there, got to get there. And I, and, I, and I don't know whether, the, you know, deep down it was, it was me believing, oh, that's where my happiness, success, or whatever it is, comes from. I don't know, but I just saw the connection and there's nothing I needed to do. It's like, well, if you realize you, you know, you keep you're closing a door on your hand, and it, you know, as soon as you realize you're doing that, you're going to stop doing it. <laughs> yes, yeah. That uh, low-level anxiety, I can relate to that as well with both myself and um, a lot of my clients, where I think they call it in psychology a high idle. So you're always kind of revving up the engine at the red light, ready to go. But um, oh, yeah. that's me. Yeah, yeah. But you said something there, Matt. You said you can't be free until you see it this way are you now free more of the time yeah i mean without without a doubt um yeah i've i've not transcended being human so um, i certainly have i certainly have my moments my wife's out but otherwise she'd um pop in and verify that for you um yeah a lot more of the time and that's something to be extremely grateful for. Because, yeah, it's interesting, like most of my career, how much, how much I thought it was on me. It was on me to get into that state. It was on me to perform. It was on me to create the best. And the irony is that I trained as an artist and when it came to the, the paradigm of art, when I was creating something, anything, I inherently knew that if the idea wasn't very good, it wouldn't feel good. And I knew it wasn't right. And I inherently knew that I couldn't thrash that out. I would get to a point where I go, I need to give it space. So I literally, I, could, I would sit there, I'd have days that, you know, in my degree where I might not do anything, but just sit there. And as is the most reliable thing in the world, I thought, you know, my creativity, because something always came through. When I gave it space, it always occurred. And it took me probably nearly the next 20 years to see that, oh, that doesn't just work in for art, that works for everything, which is, is pretty cool. Yeah, Matt, it's like you say or said earlier about the subtractive psychology. When there's less on our mind, when we're not interfering with the system, the system is brilliant. Just like you sitting in silence back in university something would occur to you 
Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's just, it's our, Do, it's our design. There's something there, though, because I know that to be true. You know that to be true. And our clients do too. But it's a hard thing in a way to get across to someone that the answer is not in the known, it's in the unknown. Because it's so, I guess, you have to throw away the map. You don't know the, the way to get there. You just have to be with yourself in a state of not knowing, which for some people can feel uncomfortable. I don't know. Do you hear a question in there? It's interesting, isn't it? Well, what came up for me saying that was it can be uncomfortable. It, I would say yes and no. I think it's uncomfortable when they are looking for an answer. But everyone will sit in the unknown and almost bathe in it. And there's always examples. It's like, well, people go on holiday and they walk along a beach or go and walk their dog or have a shower, you know, whatever it is. And they're more than comfortable in the unknown. And in fact, feel at their best in the unknown. Because that's our true nature. And I'd say that that discomfort is, yeah, that's our intellect. Yeah, struggling. Because our, yeah, our intellect wants, to, wants things to grasp. It wants things to hold on to. You know, as many as 22 things to hold on to, to find flow. You know, the more, the better. I mean, I know about it. I essentially, you know, most of my career was kind of like banging my head against the brick wall. I was pretty stubborn. And, the, and, and I think that's, that's what's so interesting is the lengths that we will go to almost doing the same thing not getting the results. I'm going to ask one more question, Matt, and we'll leave it there for today. From your four-year-old, what has been the biggest lesson you've learned relating to flow? It's tricky because it, it, it's something that only occurred to me, you know, only kind of popped up in the last week. But I feel like that, I don't know, I'm... I feel like I look at my son and I, if in 20 years time he's an actor or something, I, I just, I just so, I just so wouldn't be surprised. I just think, I just see there's just an inexplicably part of him, which I, you know, I sure as hell haven't created. And, you know, there is almost this kind of, there is this intrinsic life force or interest and which is just playing out in the world. And I think that is the same for all of us. And the trick is how not to cover that up or how to uncover that. And that is the beauty of this understanding is that it helps us come back to who we really are. And we always perform at our best from that. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Matt. Let the listeners know where we can find you, how they can reach out to you. Yep, yeah, I'm, um, I'm mostly on Instagram, um, psychological performance coach, although I might change that handle soon because I'm just building a website, um, which is hopefully probably going to be psychologicalperformance.com. Um, so, yeah, 
any of them and also on LinkedIn. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me on the One Word Podcast, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As an organizational wellness consultant, I work with individuals and teams to help them achieve more with less on their mind. You can get in touch now at hbse.eu. Also, did you know that a mind in a stressful state is like a flat tire, unable to perform at its best? If you'd like to transform your relationship with America's number one productivity killer, stress, you're very welcome to register your interest in my new video-based online course, A Fond Farewell to Stress. Visit hpse.eu forward slash stress. That's all folks, see you next time.